0: And now your host, Vina Jones-Cox.
1: Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're working really hard here to get you the information and inspiration. Because both of those things are important, right? I mean, I know people who have all the information, but don't seem to have the inspiration to actually go out and do anything. Anyway, it's all aimed toward helping you start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today is question and answer day. I know it's a weird time. It's like uh in the middle of the month instead of at the beginning of the month, like it usually is. But because I was out of town at the beginning of the month, and we did that show that I recorded at home, and then they played here, we didn't get a chance to do it this month. so And there won't be a chance to do it at the beginning of at the end of this month either because that's the week of the Oria National Real Estate Summit that I thought we should, I don't know, squeeze one in here today. And that's what we're doing. So question and answer day is the day when you call with your questions at 877-772-9658 or when you send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Any kind of real estate question is fair game. Um, if I don't like it, I just won't let anybody know you asked it. How about that? Speaking of the national real estate strategy Summit, we are, uh, we have found ourselves in a little bit of a strange position here. If you recall, I don't know, a month ago, a month and a half ago, uh, we offered tickets through the station that, uh, basically you're pledging to, WMKV and the Maple Noble Radio Network. And in return for that, you got a ticket and also a special bonus item. And we ran out of those before the hour was up, but we have had somebody let us know that they will not be using one of the tickets that they got during the fun drive. So bottom line is we have one of those tickets with the bonus thing available through the station that someone is going to get by going to wmkvfm.org and scrolling to the bottom of the page. I'm not going to tell you what the special bonus thing is. I don't want to create a riot when people get there and it's gone already. But you, if you want to come to the summit and you like real estate education, you should probably go take that package right now. wmkvfm.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page, you'll see a big thing that says Oria, and that will describe what is being offered to someone. And we really do appreciate the gal who let us know she wasn't going to be using her seat uh, for letting us know that so that we could offer it up to somebody else who was quick on the internet. Uh, All right, so it's question and answer week. We're going to go ahead and go to line one and talk to Robert, who's calling from Nashville. Robert, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Can I be honest? I am a little nervous about all these high interest rates and things that I'm hearing and the prices keep going up and what's the future going to be for real estate investing? What should I be thinking about or looking at considering?
1: Um, Mike, can you ride to my car and get my crystal ball? I, 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 I left it. I left it there. And, uh, uh, you know, without, without that, I can't really answer Robert's question. Um, so Robert, you're not alone. Um, we did a, a market update call, I don't know, five weeks ago, I guess, uh, where we actually got stats from a statistician, not just somebody who was opining about what was going on in the market, but somebody who actually had real numbers and, They were all kinds of directions. They were, well, there's more houses being sold for rental right now than there are for retail. In other words, um, more investors are buying houses to hold them and rent them than are buying them to retail them, which tends to point in the direction that people who want to buy, fix, and sell are nervous about the market. They're, they're sitting back because they are worried that they're going to buy something. It's going to take them, you know, four months to fix it, and then they're going to put it on the market. It's going to be worth less than what it was worth when they bought it. Um, we're also seeing uh, actual price drop, like like drops in overall prices in all the usual suspect cities, the West Coast, Phoenix, you know, all the, all the places that... Um, go up real fast and then are the first ones to turn down. We're not seeing that so much in Nashville, Tennessee. In fact, this entire part of the country, if you kind of like drew a swath that started above Florida, but then, you know, included North and South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, Illinois, Michigan, the prices are actually still rising here because money is flowing away from those very expensive markets out west with those six and a half percent homeowner interest rates but the bottom line is it it's never really about the market is it i mean it's never really about what interest rate the bank is charging it's never really about what quote house prices are isn't it always about the single deal that you're looking at and whether you can get it at combination of price and terms that you like that makes sense to you that's meets your financial goals
2: right i mean that's true now this conference you mentioned coming up soon it's open to people from all over the place and is it a place where i might get some more ideas about Maybe my concerns or fears.
1: Um, yes, Robert. You know that there—that uh, everybody who's hearing you now is going to see you there and know that you called in intentionally to remind people that they should also be there. And I personally appreciate it, but I think we should just pull the cover off of that right now because people to be—is like, that the Robert from Nashville who called? That's a Robert from Nashville.
2: I I told them they could use a fake name, Ronnie from <laughs> Richmond, or whatever. <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not know. But let's be frank. We are hearing that same question all over about what is the crazy market going to do? It, it really is local to you. And it's it's all about your attitude and your mindset. And if your mind is not in the right place, go get it in the right place.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: where is a better place to do that? Come <laughs> to your real estate church. <laughs> it's going to be in Cincinnati. <laughs> November what? Two, three, four, whatever. I'm there the five. first
1: through the sixth. Yes, two, three, four, five. And That's it's fantastic.
2: Right. And you don't want to miss
1: that. Yes. That that is that is absolutely true. And thank God OREA is a nonprofit organization or you you probably shouldn't be on this nonprofit radio station promoting it this much. But um yes, the the, the answer is see there's there's always something going on in the market. You know, like in in twenty twenty Because it was held in November, so we already knew, we already knew that house prices weren't going to fall through the floor like we thought they would in March of 2020. Our theme was like, how do you deal with ever increasing prices and all this competition because interest rates are so low? (laughs) Like how do you, how do you find deals? How do you make, how do you make these work? In 2011, it was all programmed around what do you do when there's a zillion deals on the market and they're all cheap and you can't tell what they're worth because there's no comps and also rents have gone down. So yeah, that's the advantage of doing something once a year <laughs> is that you can kind of see what's coming and say, all right, so what, 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 what are people going to need to know to stay in the game right now? It's all about, it's all about, you know, where, sure, we, we can all listen to the news and get conflicting information about what prices are doing and we can all worry about the interest rates and whatnot, or we can figure out what the strategies are that work at the moment. And that's the whole theme of the conference and so, somebody. And that
2: just sounds like good advice. So If I'm in a different stage of life, I need to plan for that. If I'm about to change jobs, I need to plan for that. If I'm about to start or end a relationship. I need to plan for, oh, wait, my investing. I need to plan for that. Get some education and plan for that.
1: Because mm-hmm.
2: things will always be changing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, the the presentation that I may be most excited to see myself, because I think it's a huge, you, you said, you said, you know, I'm planning on retiring and that's what struck me. Um, is Lindsey Jensen's presentation on how to buy properties using lease options from tired landlords who don't want to sell because they they will hold on until they die to avoid paying capital gains taxes. And they don't want the property. They don't want to deal with it. They would love somebody else to deal with it, but they don't want to sell it until they die. And she's got a strategy to let them do that. Well, in the meantime, she gets the cash flow and I'm super excited to see what her strategy is and i can
2: tell you i've spent time at a lunch table with her we were all at a conference before and she is just as genuine and nice of a person as you're ever going to meet it's real stuff she's been doing this this was 2 years ago she was doing this she's actually in the trenches doing that it's not just some made up theory and it sounds good it's real life she's a real person and she's really nice mm-hmm. and that that's going to be an exciting session i agree I'm, i can't wait to see her there
1: it is Okay, Robert, well, I will see you there. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Again, we do have, uh, well, maybe we still have, I don't have access to the back end of the website. But if you go to wmkvfm.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and it says OREA, that means that there is a ticket left through WMKV. So your money goes to public radio, and you get a special bonus for pledging for that. So go check it out. WMKVFM.org, bottom of the page. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, after which we will call, talk to Kyle from Tampa, Jonathan from Delray Beach, and Anita from Cincinnati. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate Investing. Our phone lines have somehow filled up. So we're going to talk to, uh, I don't know what line that is, line two, Kyle in Tampa. Kyle, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
3: Hi, can you guys hear me?
1: Yes, we can.
3: Awesome. Long time listener, first time caller.
1: (laughs) Wow, you make me feel like a real radio host. (laughs) That's what people say on the radio.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, so I have been a single family investor for the past couple of years. And I think that I want to transition into multifamily just to reach some cash flow goals that I think will be a little bit more attainable uh, taking that direction. And I'm wondering if there is a way that I can leverage the equity in the portfolio that I have in order to scale up or if I should – sell the portfolio, and somehow avoid the tax implications in order to go into the multifamily
1: space. Okay. So um, when you say multifamily, how big are you talking about?
3: Right now, 20 to 100 units.
1: Okay. All right. And have you actually you know, started learning how to evaluate those appropriately and started looking for them and so on?
3: The the best that I can at this point, yes.
1: Okay, okay. So step one, obviously, is go through the same set of education that you went through before you started buying single-family homes because multi-families are a little bit different in just sort of some, some of the details, right? Like what does it actually cost to manage them and mm. how do I get and... Um, oversee a manager for them, and so on. And I always tell folks, don't, don't dive into the apartment world until you're really good at evaluating apartments. And there's lots of education out there uh, for that. Now, in the single-family portfolio, um, how, how many units and how much equity are we talking about roughly?
3: Yeah, we are approaching 20 uh, doors. And then uh, over, I would say, maybe 1.2. And, and equity.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that'll get you a long way toward a down payment on a on a uh, twenty to did you say fifty to hundred unit building or twenty to one hundred? I can't read my own handwriting.
3: Twenty to one hundred.
1: Yes, and and
3: and that's mainly because that's only the only thing that I feel comfortable with at this point. Mm-hmm. Somewhat mm-hmm. don't want to really go above that,
1: right? Um, so there is some different ways that you could do this. Uh I mean the short answer is yes, you can leverage that equity into at least a down payment on a bigger building like that, or or at least a big chunk of a down payment, and then bring in other people, which is the normal thing that people do when they're buying apartment buildings. They have they have money partners, credit partners, experience partners, all all of those people, uh particularly in their first few deals. The, the obvious thing is put your entire single family portfolio on the market as one package. That's actually very attractive. There are lots of, um, you know, hedge fund type buyers who really like to buy 20 units at a time. In fact, um, Robert, who was just on the phone, <laughs> likes buying 20 properties all at the same time and then tightly control the sale of that. Uh, in other words, you need to, you need to control the timing of it so that you already know what apartment building you want to buy and you already have it under contract and you've already done your due diligence, sell the 20 units and exchange them into the apartment building. But you're going to have to do it all at once. Like you're not going to be able to sell, you're not going to be able to sell 20 separate houses and have it timed right so that you can exchange into a single apartment building. The way I would do that, Kyle, is just let it be known I'm not accepting purchase contracts. I'm accepting options on the portfolio. And here's why. And then when I, when I tell you, you need to exercise the option, you're going to have 30 days to do it. Cause otherwise okay. your, your timing gets all weird, right? Cause you've got, you've only got 45 days after you sell the single families to identify the multifamily and then 180 days to close. But within a smaller circle of people who understand all of that, you're not going to have any problem getting somebody saying, yeah, you know, if I like them, I'll give you some money, get an option to buy them. And then you tell me when to exercise it. And then you can go look for your, then you can go look for your multifamily. Personally, I would be super, um, I don't know, hesitant to sell my carefully built single family portfolio and go all in on an apartment building. And the reason is you just like put you you put all your eggs in one basket. You went from all one kind of investment to all another kind of investment and also probably only one building. And I would be very tempted to hold on to the single families and find a different way to buy the multifamily. You understand what I'm saying?
3: And is there a way that I could do that? Like, for instance, leveraging the equity that's in the portfolio. Hold you, on to it.
1: You could borrow against it. You could, um, you know, with interest rates being what they are, you might find yourself borrowing at a higher rate of interest than you have right now. Uh, you could sell somebody a long-term option on them for a lot of money. You could uh, I don't know, bring in, bring in partners to buy out your equity. There's there's all sorts of ways you could do that. But let, let's go back to how apartments are usually bought. I don't know anybody who bought their very first 20, 30, 40, 50 family without multiple partners involved in that because it's not just the cash. There's lots of people who are willing to passively invest their cash in apartments. Mm-hmm. Apartments are a very hot asset right now. But also, the primary lender is going to want an experienced partner involved in this deal. Somebody who can say, yep, I've owned and managed other buildings like this. Um, You might bring in a credit partner whose only contribution is the down payment on the loan and his good credit. And then somebody else is bringing in money for needed upgrades, things like that. That is common practice in the apartment world and and okay. when i say partners don't be thinking well now i've got five partners and i have to give each of them 20% cuz that's not how it works either usually the people bringing the money get some sort of like a preferred share like a preferred dividend as opposed to like actual ownership of the building um you know the credit partner might be in for 20% the experienced partner might literally bring no money to the table and get 5% for being an experienced partner. And you keep the rest. It's, it's, it's all kind of up to what you structure with people. So the other thing that I would be doing is poking around and asking folks who is interested in getting into some sort of an apartment deal to be determined because you're going to find that there's lots of people who say yes, somewhat fewer people who can pull the trigger and, but no lack of people to make that happen.
3: Where would be a good place to find those people?
1: Um, Your local real estate association, your local exchange meeting, Cincinnati RIA's exchange meeting. In fact, I know for for absolutely certain there are three people in the Tampa area who belong uh, and come to that exchange meeting who are very interested in apartments.
3: Okay. Okay. Great. Do you, do you
1: know how to get to that exchange meeting?
3: I will Google it. <laughs>
1: cincinnatirea.com. Okay. cincinnatirea.com. Yeah. You do you do have to be a member to come to the exchange meeting, but it's 25 bucks a month to be a member, so I think in the big scheme of things there it's probably totally worth it. worth, worth <laughs> the investment. <laughs> yep.
3: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for a lot of things to think about,
1: <laughs> yes, and particularly that thing about make sure you know how to evaluate them every time yeah. every time I've evaluated a building that big, it has taken me literally an entire working day to get all the the numbers and details in, and that was after I got them, which you don't always easily get them, okay,
3: okay, yeah, the single family spaces. Is- is uh you know I'm confident in that, so that's obviously a little bit easier for me, but I I understand the numbers on the multifamily are a lot more complex.
1: Yes. Much more complex. (laughs) It's not a it's not a five line addition and subtraction thing. It's like a forty five line addition of subtraction thing.
3: Oh wow. I might need my wife for that.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. So thank you for your question, Kyle. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to line three and talk to Jonathan and what I assume it went off the screen. Oh, Delray Beach doesn't mind. Doesn't seem to be there anymore. Uh, let's talk to Anita in Cincinnati on line four. Hi, Anita. Welcome to real life real estate.
4: Well, hi, Dina. Thank you for taking my question. It's been some awesome questions on today. Mm -hmm. And, um, my question is actually connected to the question that the first caller, Robert, had about, you know, what's going to happen. And more specifically, he asked, you know, he spoke about the rising interest rates. And so my question is a two-part question. So um first part is this. So given the rising interest rates, I've heard a lot of conversation lately that says, that it, first of all, defies most conventional wisdom around the type of loan that one would get. So let's say normally you would get uh, a fully amortizing loan, one that, you know, the payment is made up of principal interest, you know, and if it's your taxes, insurance, or escrow, they're, you know, part of that as well. But lately, I've started hearing people talk about the benefit of getting an interest-only loan. For an income producing property. Mm-hmm. And so, maybe can you expand upon why that might be a good idea for an investor and when they might want to consider that type of loan given the higher interest rate environment that we're currently in?
1: So, I think. I think maybe you hearing that interest-only loans might be a better option than fully amortizing loans coinciding with interest rates going way up might be a coincidence because because the folks who see the advantage in interest-only loans see it kind of in every market, now you may you may be hearing it more because the 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 bottom line is an interest only loan at the same rate is just going to have a lower payment than an amortizing loan at that rate. Take a hundred thousand right. dollars, take eight percent interest the interest only loan payment is going to be lower than the fully amortizing loan payment, and the folks who are big fans of those interest only loans are the ones for for whom the most important thing is that I maximize my cash flow. If I can pay $134 a month less for that 8% interest only $100,000 loan, that $134 might mean a lot more to me than am I paying off $134 worth of principal this month, right? Because I'm I'm not focused on paying off, I'm focused on cash flow. It just, it gives you... A lower what's called loan constant, right? And there are, there are lots of people that <laughs> their opinion is give me the cash flow. My kids can worry about paying off that interest only loan when I die. I want to, I want to live the lifestyle now, right? Or I want to have that money available for me to invest in further things now. If I'm giving it to the bank, if I'm giving that money to the bank every month to help pay down the principal, that means it's going away, and also the only return I'm getting on that is whatever my interest rate is with the bank. If I, if I give them one hundred thirty-four, a thirty four dollars worth of principal, and it's on an eight percent loan, I made eight percent on that hundred thirty-four dollars. I got better investments that I can make with that hundred thirty-four dollars. Now there's there's people right now. I promise you. That are screaming at their radio or their phone or their computer or however they're listening to that going, yes, but you'd never pay off the loan. Paid off properties are the thing that we need to get.
4: And that's why I said, yes, exactly it, it defies conventional wisdom, and i you know I hear that heat as well, mm-hmm. so maybe, yeah, what were you gonna say on that I
1: think i okay so so first of all, whether I like cash flow better or whether I like paid off properties better is a matter of personal preference at the bottom line, isn't it? I mean, I can make arguments for either one of those things being good things mathematically. But I can't make an argument that says, well, you shouldn't feel better about paid off properties. You either, you know, you do or you don't. I'm I'm going to try and convince you that there's no special reason to feel better about it. But um yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an emotional thing. And remember, a lot of us still have PTSD from the 2007 market crash. There there were a lot of people who (laughs) came out of that going, man, I wish, I wish all those properties had been paid off because my, my rents went down and my vacancies went up and it was a struggle sometimes to pay for everything that needed to be paid for. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pay all my properties off because that'll make me feel better. But that's right. But really, really it's, it's, it's kind of preference, right? Now again, mathematically I can prove to you. That having some leverage on properties is is financially advantageous, and it has to do with interest, and it has to do with appreciation, and it has to do with who's taking the 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 inflation or deflation risk. Is it all you, or is it partly a lender? The thing about interest-only loans is that most of them, I've never seen one that you couldn't turn into an amortizing loan if you decided. That, okay, I'm just getting to a point in my life where I want paid off properties. Maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I don't want my kids to have to pay it off. I've got plenty of income. So I'm going to start paying off even my interest only loans. You can add that 134 bucks a month and that'll pay off the, it's an extra payment, right? And the extra right. payments go, to, go okay. to principal. So you can always, I'm not going to say always. Because as, as soon as I say it, somebody who likes to give interest-only loans is going to write into their interest-only loan that you can't pay principal. But I've never seen one that said you couldn't pay principal. So ah, okay. And and you know, I think this is this is part of what kind of makes people go, "Wait, that's insane! You'd still owe a hundred thousand dollars on that property thirty years from now." Is there? They're not looking at what else would be true thirty years from now. Because what else right. so would like be, the
4: appreciation?
1: Yes. What else would be true thirty years from now is that property's probably worth three or four times the amount of the loan. The rents have probably gone up, you know, three or four X. So who cares if you own a hundred owe a hundred thousand dollars in thirty years on a property that's worth four you know, four hundred and fifty thousand?
4: Got it. Like, okay. Very helpful. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking my
1: question. Okay. Thank you for calling, Anita. appreciate it. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk to Karen and Stewart, Florida, and maybe Jonathan for real this time in Delray Beach. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Spina Jones Cox, and I also have an email from Florida. I've already talked to someone from Florida. There's two people on the line from Florida. I have an email from Florida. Did did Florida like start running real life real estate investing and I didn't know about it? Let's talk to Karen and Stewart. Karen, welcome to Real Life Real Estate.
4: Hello, good evening, Dina. This is my first time to ever call into a
1: radio talk and show, and also two two first-time callers. This is uh, and you this is your yes. first time calling in anywhere. Yes, and so my next call is going
4: to be to Doctor Laura. You know that is. <laughs> <laughs> this is my warm-up.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, hopefully, I can do as well as she does. <laughs> What's your well, question, I'm Karen? i sure you know.
4: You're you're the guru for the real estate investing. Anyway, um, I'm wondering if you could dive into a, a term I heard last week, but I haven't had time to research it or buy the proper book about it. And I do have an ulterior motive to asking this question. And that is, could you explain a little bit what the loan constant term means?
1: Um, yes, Uh that's that's interesting because you were the second person this week who said they only recently heard the term loan constant. And um, I mean, it's been it's been around a really long time, but yeah. it's I, I, I think I think that it is something that confuses most people when they hear it. The loan constant is basically how much are you paying every month relative to what you owe?
4: How much you're paying versus what you owe on
1: your financing versus what you owe? Because as time goes by, so um, I know you like buying very pretty houses in Florida, and Uh, and those tend to be in like the they tend to end up being in like the three fifty to seven fifty range. So they're they're you know Mm -hmm. high high loans compared to what we might see for the same property here in the Midwest. Let's say that you 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 bought a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar house. You finance six hundred of that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first year, your loan constant is going to be. Um, I'm just going to have to make up some numbers here because um, I've, I've got to be able to do them in my head. Uh, the first year, let's say that your principal and interest only payment on your six hundred thousand dollar loan is six thousand dollars a month. Okay. Okay. 20 years yeah. from now, assuming that's a, a, fixed rate loan, what is your monthly payment? Still 6,000. It's still 6,000, but 20 years from now, how much do you owe? Less. Way less. Gonna... <laughs> you, you owe way less. Oh. So you, you might only owe like yeah. 250, right? So. Right, right. So. Six thousand a month, and that's not the right way to do it. You do it annually, but six thousand dollars a month divided by two hundred and fifty is a much higher loan constant than six hundred. Six thousand dollars a month divided by six hundred thousand.
4: Oh, you're paying. Right. You're
1: paying a way bigger payment relative to the amount that you borrowed than you were at the beginning. So. People who are really looking at cash flow, who are really all about, like, how do I maximize my cash flow, would change that loan constant when it got higher and higher and higher. They try and get it lower again. How would they get it lower? Um, How would you get a lower payment on that $250,000 loan? How would I make... I'm sorry. Maybe I missed it. How would I make the
4: payment... Yeah, yours? You
1: want you don't want to pay six thousand so a month I pay anymore.
4: More, I don't know, just like paying it off.
1: No. No, you you'd refinance oh, it. Oh. oh, okay. But you would only refinance the two fifty. If you borrow six hundred thousand again, you're gonna be like right back at that really high payment. You would yeah. you would refinance the two fifty and you do it in over a thirty year term.
4: Oh I'll stretch it out again. So you don't
1: yeah. owe anymore. But your payment is much lower, and therefore mm-hmm. your loan constant is much lower. So one of the this would be so much easier if you could see the whiteboard behind me that I swear I'm writing on right now. Actually, it's a wall, and they'd be really mad. <laughs> I'd be really mad if I was writing on it. But <laughs>
4: by the way, I'm a visual learner. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> it's easier to do the math. So the, the folks okay. who are always talking about loan constant in the real estate world, you can just. Look at them and assume that what they are after is cash flow. Right. Because what they will say, they'll say things like, oh man, the loan constant on that's really high. And you're like, what, what do you mean? It's the normal payment on a $600,000 mortgage at eight and a half percent interest. Well, yeah, but your loan constant is really high because you got a 15 year loan. And they will always encourage you to get the longest loan possible. They will always encourage you to do interest only loans to get the loan constant down whenever you can. They will always encourage you to refinance old loans to spread them out over a longer time to get a lower loan constant. Again, it's just, it's about what's more important to you? Lots of cash flow or quick pay down. Why? If it's, if it's, if it's paying off the properties, you, you, you just keep making the $6,000 payment for the whole 30 years, right? If right. it's, if it's nope, I want to maximize my cash flow, you're going to probably refinance the property and stretch out the payments over a longer period of time and get a lower loan constant.
4: Right. Okay. Cause I know you were talking at one point about, you know, keeping the loan versus paying the loan off and that kind of stuff. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, loan loan constant has less to do with keeping the loan versus paying it off than it does with just, it, it's another factor under which you should probably evaluate any financing you're getting.
4: Because
1: mm-hmm. I, I, um, <laughs> I was, um, refinancing my house and, um, I was looking at the 15 year loans because they have a lower interest rate by like half a point. And they also have lower, less points and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, well, that's all attractive. And, uh, I almost had my neck wrung by my significant other who said, the loan constant's going to be so high on that. You should just, you you, you know, you can, you can get a 30 year loan and treat it like a 15 year loan.
4: Right. Right.
1: You can get a 30 year loan and you can yeah. pay extra payments so yeah. that it pays off in 15 years and, and actually your net, the net interest you spend will be about the same. Like the half point interest difference doesn't matter if you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this okay. is also the argument that certain people who shall remain nameless have made against the idea of a 0% interest own, uh, owner finance loan. I was once handed yeah. a file card yeah. during a seminar that I was teaching, proving to me mathematically that it would have been a better deal for me to go to the bank and get what at the time would have been a five percent mortgage for thirty years than it was for me to get a zero percent interest loan from the seller. And when I was done teaching, I walked to the back and I said, Yeah, but why would I why would I do that? This house is gonna be paid off in like, you know, a hundred and ten months. And he said, well, the loan constant, the loan constant, the loan constant on that thing you negotiated is so high. I was like, okay, but that's, I'm not worried about the cash flow. I wanted to get the house paid off in 110 months with, at no uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So a little clearer yeah, thank now. L- yeah, l- yeah, thank l- Listen, I had, to, I had to hear about it five times before I even got why it, why anybody thought it was important, but it does, right. it does. I
4: for that term, but, yeah. Well,
1: and it does. It does create a, a lesson that I would like to take this opportunity to say to everybody, which is when you hear something like loan constant or like what Anita was talking about with the, uh, you know, why are people trying to get zero, you know, interest only loans? It's not enough to say. It's not enough for your own edification to ask what it is and how does it work and even why. It's important to ask the person who's, you know, saying you should do this, why do you do it? What are your goals that make you do that? Because until I started asking that question, I couldn't figure out why anybody was getting zero percent loans or care, cared about the loan constant. It wasn't until I started to understand that the only people who seem to be really preaching that message are cash flow people.
4: Right, and I guess I've tended to be more of a cash flow person. Well,
1: then you care about the loan constant. And it's a good thing you're learning about it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
4: Okay. Uh, And then I'll let my kids worry about the rest. That's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. (laughs) I'm leaving some really good properties. Hope you can figure out how to pay them off.
4: (laughs) Yeah, really. Okay, I can talk more about that later. All right.
1: (laughs) Thanks for your call, Karen. Thank you so much. Let's go to Jonathan in Delray Beach. Jonathan, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. No, you know what? That might have been my fault. Oh my goodness, Jonathan, if you're if you're still listening, Mike thinks he might have accidentally hit the wrong button and hung up on you. You can call back because we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We are, by golly, going to talk to Jonathan in Delray Beach. Now, hold on now. We have to put him on hold first. Got to put him on hold first. So, let's We're not going to hit the button that hangs up on him. We will not. <laughs> we will not. So if Dave puts him on hold. Okay, there we go. Jonathan? Children. Yeah, hey, how are you, Gina? <laughs> Hi, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. You 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 just caused a whole like people are running up, around. We got him.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling. I have a feeling it was it was it was Robert Mohan's uh doing he's very tricky with
1: the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if he's if he's managing to manipulate him from Nashville, I'm like even more <laughs> impressed with him than I was a minute ago. So what's your question, Jonathan? <laughs> So, I'm the one who sent in the
5: the uh, the email too. Um, I'm a newbie at the whole uh, master Lease thing. Uh, your colleague who who's done those classes. She's quite good. i I think I'm going to take take some classes from her. It's a great strategy, I think, for the time. I went through David Tilney's three day uh, seminar this past weekend, and it was a lot, but I, I there's strategy there and the the situation that i'm posing in the email there is um i have a a gentleman that, that is a colleague of mine that wants to sell a very large house that he just renovated which he bought at auction and i happen to have a prospect that i was also after who's who's got a seven person family five kids mm-hmm. and somehow i can put this together and what i you know thinking about Pete Fortunato and you and what you guys teach and and, and the different creative approaches i'm just trying to think, how should I approach thinking about solving this problem? I mean obviously, we know what they want.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
5: one wants cash flow or a big cash out, and the other one wants space mm-hmm. but how do i how would you recommend I go about figuring this solving this
1: okay and let me uh, let me fill in some details from your email just so listeners understand what we're talking about. Your investor friend has a five bedroom completely renovated house that's worth one point two million. Your prospect for this house, who might like to have this house has a family with two adults and five children living in a three bedroom house <laughs> and they they would like they would like to live in the five bedroom house instead. And your investor friend is willing to sell it to you or he's willing to master lease it to you. Mm
5: -hmm.
1: So that's, that's, that's the facts as we have them, right? The, the, the family who would rather have the five bedroom house, do they, do you know how much they owe on that house? Do you know how much equity they have?
5: I'm pretty sure they're free and clear.
1: Mm. Okay.
5: So the payments from that could pay for some great portion of the other
2: one.
1: Mm-hmm. And have you talked terms with your investor friend about what monthly payment he might like to have on his $1.2 million house?
5: Having gotten there yet, he's flexible. Um, we just have to see what we could arrive at. Mm-hmm. And uh, mostly just concerned about how I should be thinking and approaching this. Looking at master lease with an even an option, maybe, or maybe not an option. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know how long your investor friend might be willing to lease that property to you?
5: Uh, I'm 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 thinking he's eventually going to want. He's, he he has some health issues, so he's going to want to going to want to cash out like maybe in five ten years, mm-hmm. um, which might be okay. The area is appreciating.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so I would actually have to put pencil to paper on this and, and you need to be having two conversations here simultaneously, right? You need to be having a conversation with your investor friend about like, if you were to outright buy the house, what kind of discount could you get for it? Not having to go through a real estate agent and all of that sort of stuff. You should also be having a conversation yeah, with them about like what kind of monthly payment were you thinking you would need here, and you should be having a conversation with the potential buyer slash renters about well how much how much of a monthly payment do you think you could afford, or or would right. you would you like to pay to have this five bedroom house because that's that's how you're gonna find out if this is a match. Because there's something here about they give you their house as a down payment on this much more expensive house, which brings their payment way, way down on the much more expensive house. Right. But you're going, right. you're going, right. <laughs> it might bring it right down into a range that they can easily afford even with five children. But first, we Mm -hmm. have to get a grip on things like would your friend, instead of master leasing the house to you, would he sell it to you on monthly payments? And what monthly payments would those be? And how much of a down payment could you give him? Because if you get that free and clear house, you can obviously borrow money against it for down payment on this house and still make it cash flow. Right? Cause I assume you I mean, to, I could
5: even say to him, look, I put no money down. I'm getting you this house for these payments. I don't want to put any money down. You could, could do
1: that. And then you could, and then you could master lease both houses. Or he could lease the, the house, his house to your tenants and you could lease that other house from him. And do like a sandwich mm-hmm. lease kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities here with a paid off house in the mix. I like the paid off house that's in the mix. That's so, what the
5: question was for. It's just so mind bogglingly, there's so much that can be done. I'm just thinking, how do I, <laughs> how do I think about this? <laughs>
1: well, get some more information. You know, f- f- talk, talk to your friend more about what kind of payments he'd want. Would he be willing to do that as a seller carry back mortgage instead? Um, what kind of upfront payment would he need? What would the overall price be again, given that you, there would be no real estate agent involved and talk to the family about what can they realistically comfortably pay? And then we can talk again and figure out how to put all the pieces together.
5: Fantastic. This is great. And by the way, congratulations for St. Jude. Oh. Uh, I was a contributor there. That's a great cause.
1: And thank you for being a contributor. Yes. So. Uh, what what Jonathan is referencing is a few months ago, uh, Cincinnati RIA hosted a, an event that all the proceeds went to St. Jude's and last Thursday wrote a check for $106,748 to St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, which was... A big win for everybody, and thanks for all the folks who participated in that event and donated so generously. Uh, we are out of time, but we will definitely be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.